0: It's Wednesday night, and we are teaching. Uh, I've gone through every kind of subject you can imagine. We're teaching about the Apostle Peter. Peter was the head or the leader of the apostles. He was always out in front. And how many apostles were there? What?
1: Twelve. That's right. It wasn't
0: 12 apostles. There were 13. There were 12. Judas killed himself. And that made 11. And then they chose another one. How did they choose another one? Huh? They cast a lot. That was something like drawing straws or throwing dice. We don't know exactly what it was. And that was after Judas was dead. And then... That's in over in acts the second uh, the first chapter, the very end of Acts, and they chose two <coughs> men and the and the first one they chose they chose these two men, Barsabbas and Mattathias, and Mattathias was chosen second, and that would make eleven plus one is twelve. So they had two men they were choosing from. The lot fell upon Mattathias, and he took he took Judas's place. And then you had, Paul said, I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ. I'm one born out of due time. Paul was the 13th apostle. How many tribes of Israel were there? Uh,
1: Twelve. Somebody keeps saying 12?
0: Where do you get 12? Does somebody not know how many, how many tribes of Israel there were? How many sons did Jacob have? 12. And what was his name changed to? Israel. All right. And where would the 13th tribe of Israel come from? Huh? the Gentiles aren't you listening to what I'm teaching (laughs) the 13th tribe would come from Joseph wouldn't it Joseph 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 had two sons do y'all remember who they were Ephraim and Manasseh Manasseh And remember, the first son of Jacob was Reuben. Or the first son of Israel, Reuben. And then the second son, do you remember the second son? Simeon.
1: And who was the third son?
0: Levi. Levi. And the fourth son was who? Judah. And what was special about Judah? Judah king would come out of judah the scepter will not tar from judah and and jesus was the, uh, the lion of the tribe of judah and what was levi's special position he was the priesthood priesthood and out of judah would come out of levi would come three sons and out of one of them would come the high priest and who was the first high priest of Israel Aaron and how was he high priest
1: Aaron and do you remember
0: do you remember how many sons he had four Aaron had four sons and who were they
1: Nadab Abihu and who else? Eleazar, E L E A Z E R, and Ithamar.
0: Ithamar. And what happened to Nadab and Abihu? God, they died. God killed them. (laughs) Why? because they were late for supper or what (laughs) what'd they do offered strange fire and they would have been high priests also because you had to be a son of Aaron to be a high priest so all the high priests will come out of Ithamar and Eleazar, from back here in Ezra particularly Leviticus the uh, not Ezra where did I say that for uh, particularly Leviticus, because from then on, all the high priests of Israel come from these two men right there. Now, now we're talking about Ephraim, who is the thirteenth tribe. Levi was just like Paul; he was not numbered with Israel. Never. That's why when you get to the seventh chapter of Revelation and Levi is numbered as 12,000 out of the tribe of Levi. That's a bad numbering for literal Israel because Levi was never numbered, never. So that had that but that gave you the 13th tribe because Ephraim and Manasseh both had a tribe and they were the 13 tribes of Israel. And you can see Ephraim The second born of Joseph and Manasseh. Notice Joseph doesn't have a tribe on here. But when you look in the Bible, after Ephraim's dead and Manasseh's dead, the Bible will call their tribe, or will call all the northern tribes of Israel, Joseph. Because Ephraim governed all the northern tribes. I don't know why I went into this. All right now. So there were 12 apostles and 12 tribes and Paul was the one apostle born out of due time and that was a picture of Levi that was never numbered why was Levi not numbered to the rest of Israel huh they what? well they did but why were they not numbered they weren't numbered because they lived all over Israel they were priests And they had to be there for the people, but they didn't own any land. And they, what did? How did God make that up to them? You don't want to answer this. (laughs) They got the tenth. They got the tithe, and that's why they had to be given some land by where they lived. And Judah would have to give the priests some land, not give it to them, but give them land to work. So they could have crops and so forth. And they'd have priests up here in Manasseh. And up here in Issachar. And up here in And These are Jacob's sons. Other than the fact that Ephraim and Manasseh. Were named instead of Joseph. So whenever you Joseph. Had the inheritance of all Israel. Through his second born son. Ephraim. Don't have time to go into that. Now we're talking about the apostles. And particularly Peter. He was a funny guy. He had so much of the responsibility of teaching the church, and he was the guy that kept his foot in his mouth at all times. He had to become strong. There's a reason for that. Peter was a simple man. He was a fisherman. Fisherman from Galilee. Fishermen were not particularly rich people. There was no rich people in Israel other than the Pharisees cheating all the poor out of their money. And Peter was a fisherman. The two men that seemed to be kind of an antithesis—I hate to use a word like that—antithesis. A n t i t h e s i s. It comes from "anti," meaning opposite, antitheme, meaning to lie. Both of these are Greek words, means to lie opposite. When Jesus said, I lay down my life for my sheep, he used that word Tithame. So they lied the two men that were kind of opposite in their beginning, but they became the same in their message was Paul and Peter. Now Peter was a weak, a simple man. He hadn't hardly gone through any trials when Jesus found him there in the first chapter of John. He just, there was Peter and James and John and Andrew. And Peter and Andrew were brothers. And James and John were brothers. Y'all, does anybody remember uh, there was a, a a nickname for James and John? sons of Zebedee. When you see sons of Zebedee that means James and John. So James, John, Peter and Andrew. James
1: John Peter and
0: Andrew and Peter's not the first man to confront to confront Jesus. It was his brother Andrew Andrew met Jesus, and he goes to Peter and said, We have found the Messiah. It's because everybody was looking for him. Uh, They were at the end of the 69th week of Daniel's 70 weeks. They knew what it was about. They were at the end of the 69th week. I'll get it right in a minute. 70 times 7. 77 is 409. I can't even write. The 70 weeks, 70 times 7. And that's a time period that God gives Israel to repent because all the time they're a nation over here, they're going after Baal and the grove and Shemash and Molech. And God scatters them. And Shemash and Molech and all of these gods was the same thing as Christmas or Christ Mass that was brought into the church. Brought in the church. They call it Christmas. They dropped a, one of the S's and pulled the two words together. And that was sun and tree worship that Constantine brought in the Roman Catholic Church in 325 A.D. I got a million things to say about that. I don't have time to say it now. Then we're going to try to get to Peter pretty quick here. We went through some things last week about him. Jesus said, "Blessed art thou, Simon, born Jonah, son of Jonah." Now, most of the writers would say his father's name was Jonah. That's not what I believe. To be called a son of someone, you had to be inheriting the office of your father. Peter inherited the office of Jonah of the Old Testament. Jonah in the Old Testament did not want to go to Nineveh, the capital city of the Assyrian Empire, which was on the Euphrates River. It's right about where Baghdad is. We're hearing all about that because Babylon was the same thing. Babylon was the same thing as Iraq right here, right in this area right here. That's Iraq. And Babylon was down here on the Euphrates, Nineveh. And Nineveh was the capital city of the Assyrian Empire. And God tells Jonah down here, go up here and uh, and preach repentance to Nineveh. That's why he went. Nineveh was the capital city of Assyria, and Assyria was the most barbaric people that ever lived on the earth. They were Caucasians. How do you know that? Well, the Caucasus Mountains runs right between the Black Sea and the Caspian Sea, right here. They were Caucasians, and they were barbaric. They were heathens, killed at the drop of a hat, killed by the... They might stack a hundred thousand heads in front of a gate of a city just cut people's heads off if you think these guys over there right now are the beginners in beheading people no they've been going over there for millennia now now we're talking about peter peter means it's the word petros when jesus said blessed art thou simon son of jonah Let's start. Uh, from now on, your name's going to be called Peter. His name was called his name was Simon, so he'll be Simon Peter. Simon comes from the Old Testament word Simeon, S C M E I O N, and that's a derivative of Shammah And Shammah means heard, means to hear, <coughs> means. To be heard, and he said, "From now on, Simon, your name is going to be called Peter, which pet is Petros, it means little stone." He said, "Thou art Peter, and upon this Petros, not Petros, Petra, Petra was." means great big stone. Upon this great big huge stone I'll build my church. Now the Roman Catholics have taken that statement by by Jesus saying, uh, Thou art a little stone, and upon this giant stone, Peter, I'm going to build my church. That's not what it's saying. Talking about he's the rock. Petra was the capital city of the Edomites down in just below Israel. These are the descendants of Esau. And so he says, you're going to be a little stone. I'm going to build my church upon me. I am the rock and upon this statement. Well, Peter has a, he has a confrontation every time he turns around with Jesus. When Jesus is taken to be crucified, Peter goes back to his old tricks. I want to look at the different. I've told you this many times when you're looking at one of the Gospels. You're looking at one gospel, be sure you look at the corresponding gospels, and if they have a more than one account of something, read it from all the gospels. And what are the gospels? Well, you have Matthew, Mark, Luke. Matthew, Mark, Luke.
1: And these are called the synoptic gospels.
0: And the reason they're called synoptic is because they have a synonymous view of various parables and various events. And then you have John. John's not one of the synoptic Gospels. It's a wonderful Gospel. It really tells you about the life of Christ and who he is. But these are synoptic. What I want to do is show you Peter's denial of of Jesus. Now sometimes you'll look at one gospel and it'll give you something in Matthew and Luke, but it won't give you in Mark and John. Sometimes it'll give you uh Mark and Luke, but it won't give you John and Matthew. What you've got to do is read all the accounts to really know what it's saying. It's like I've said before. One of my favorite things to teach on is the man of the Gatherings, the demoniac he there's no such thing as demons but if you're going to look at the demoniac it's actually the word demonion D-A-I-M-O-N-I-O-N if you want to look at this man that's about the swine being cast out and so forth you've got to look at Matthew 8
1: Mark 5
0: and Luke 8 that's where he's found well in Mark he looks kind of like he's a halfway sane fellow over in Luke but over here in Mark he's running through the the tombs he's running through the tombs in a graveyard screaming and yelling and cutting himself and bleeding all over the place He couldn't be sane. He has to be insane. That's why it'll use, sometimes it will say that he's possessed with devils. There's one word for possessed with devils. One word in the Greek. It's the word D-A-I-M-O-N-I-D-I-M-O-N. I Z O M A I. You can see that the word daemonion is a part of the word. Well, it means to be crazy or insane. Well, this man, if he's running around cutting himself and bleeding all over the place, he's got to be nuts, doesn't he? Anybody that does that's crazy. What Jesus did was cast self out of him. Not going to go into that. Now, if you're looking at Peter denying Christ. Remember the word deny.
1: What? A R N E O M A I. Deny means to contradict.
0: It means to contradict. And the Bible says anyone that denies Christ or contradict him, he is antichrist. It doesn't say he is the Antichrist. I never call the man at the end of time that's ruling the world system, I never call him Antichrist. John said in 1 John, the second chapter, even now are there many Antichrists. And then he turns around and says, He that denieth Christ is Antichrist. Anyone who contradicts the word of God, if you do not like predestination, when the Bible says, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. And you say, well, it don't mean that. He's talking about nations. He's talk-. It says, before either one were born, before either one had done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth. It was said unto Rebekah, their mother, these twins, Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. That means you don't believe God. You're contradicting him by trying to change God's words that he didn't say. And they get that over there in the 26th chapter of Genesis. When God comes, sends the Spirit to Rebekah and say, you're going to have twins. They're in your womb. Two nations will come out of your womb. It's not like they're born nations. When people try to get away from predestination, they'll say, well, those talking about nations. Well, let me ask you this. How? Can you have before nations had done any good or evil? That's ridiculous. And before nations are born. I loved I loved Israel and I hated well he did love Israel, when he hated Edom. He never Edom was a descendant of Esau. If you don't like predestination, you're watching and you try to make this excuse, you're contradicting Christ and you are anti Christ you don't like priesthood predestination that's your problem with god it's not my problem with you and when you say something people say it don't mean that it means exactly that i've had people tell me i tried to read romans 9 you know before i came to grace and truth and and i didn't know what it meant i said it meant what it said jacob have i loved esau have i hated before either were born And people don't like that because there's only a few people in the world that believe that and it's in this King James Bible right here. Now. Huh? It's all through the Bible. God's sovereignty is. And people hate that. Just hate it. I I was over to the doctor the other day. I hadn't even told you this yet. This was Friday I think. I said the doctor had had some arthritis in his hand. Had to go over there to a doctor and a lady saw a t-shirt i had on god does not love everybody come on said god does not love everybody i said i didn't say that same thing i told the other lady with the other doctor's office i didn't say that god said that she said well i think he loves everybody i said and i quoted i quoted there in romans 9 Jacob, have I loved these, have I hated before they were born? She said, well, I think he loves everybody. I said, you have Comcast? She said, yeah. I said, I'm on it every night at 830. Watch me. She walked away. She's Antichrist. Anyone who says God's word doesn't mean what it says is Antichrist. It's not the Antichrist. The man at the end of time is called the man of sin. The world ruler, man of sin. He's called the king of fierce countenance. Of fierce countenance over there in Daniel 8. Fierce countenance. He's got titles, but Antichrist is not one of his titles. The word Antichrist is mentioned only in 1 and 2 John. It's the only place you'll find it. And it's people who... Have you lived? Let me put this way: He that denieth Christ is out of Christ. And John said in First John, Second John, sixteen. Excuse me, I'll get it right in a minute. In Second Timothy, 1.16, Paul said: Some men confess that they
1: know God. Huh? Titus, yeah, Titus.
0: you'll get it. you'll help me in a minute Titus 1 16 I'm quoting Bible verses and get things all over my mind Titus 1 16 some men profess professing you know God is not enough profess homo legeo, H-O-M-O-L-O-G-E-O same word as confess, i don't know why they translated it that way but they did it means to be of the same word of the same homo logos homo means of the same like homosexual of the same sex logos is the word word means to be of the same word or agree with some people agree with their mouth but in works they deny him what they do denies Christ. God says something, and they say, I don't think I have to do that. God says, he that doeth truth comes to the light. I think I can go to heaven by getting saved and walking down an aisle. No, you can't. Huh? Yeah. You, you'll never find where Paul said, I think. That's not in the Bible. You can sit around saying, I think I'll go to heaven doing this, and no, you won't. Everyone is a sinner. We have to be born again, and it's not our will that does that. We're born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Let's get on with Peter here. Now, so you'll either confess Christ or you'll deny him, and you'll argue with him by what you do. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, not works for salvation, unto agathos works. That's the word in the Greek. It means beneficial. And people say, Jim Brown, you sound like you're teaching works for salvation. I am not. I'm teaching that if God births you by his will, you have to obey him because he'll beat you half to death until you do. Has that ever happened to anybody? Did you ever get beat half to death? Oh, I have been beat with an inch of my life. I've been in the hospital. I've had heart attacks. I've had cancer operations. I I didn't think I was going to live through my 30s and 40s. God was killing me. Until he woke me up one day, and said you're going to do my will and not yours. I said, Yes, sir. And he woke me up in my mid forties, dying over here in the Andersonville hospital. If God ever wakes you up, you'll quit trying to do things your way. Only he can wake you from the dead. Now I was talking in the middle of something. I remember Oh, we're looking at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Their account of Peter, Peter believed in predestination.
1: He said, Peter wrote in 1 Peter 1 and 2. He said, we're elect, elect unto obedience. And the sprinkling of blood. Boy, there's baptism
0: right there. If you sprinkle blood, the very picture of sprinkling blood is the same thing you will see in an infinitive. The movement is only on the part of the fluid coming from an outer source. It's only a part of that. When the that this is illustrates an infinitive right here, sprinkle of blood. Baptized means to be covered with a stain or dye. A blood baptism was a death. It was a martyrdom. He's washed us from our sins in His own blood. That's a blood baptism, and we elect, eklectos, e k l e k t o s. Eclectos means to favor. This woman at the doctor, she turned to me and she said, God's an old respecter of persons. He he wouldn't pick one over the other. I said, respect of persons has nothing to do with predestination. I was trying to tell her she's walking away. I'll give it to you. Respect of persons is the word pros, apolepsia. Or sometimes the word ending is changed. Pros tell. They w they're just simply forms of the same word. One's a verb, the other's a noun. prosopolepsia is the word respect of persons. I was trying to tell this lady, you know why they run away from me? <laughs> you know why they run away they're scared of I'm quoting Bible to them and Greek words and they're going I've never heard that before they're going, I've, I've got no respect to persons and I'm leaving before you say something else okay <laughs> if you left you cheated yourself out of the definition and she walked away while I was trying to tell her proso and proso the word respect of persons doesn't mean God doesn't favor anybody. It means He doesn't favor the exterior. He don't want, He won't love you and have grace on you because you've got a pretty face, because you've got talent. He won't love you because you won a beauty contest or because you've uh, because you're. Uh, talented and you got a great arm and you're a great quarterback. You can hit a ball over the ball fence. That's not what he wanted to love you. Elect elect like Peter said means to favor Electos means to favor it is a elect is a synonym for grace grace is the word charis it means un merited favor favor means i like some people more than i like others that's what it means and she's saying god doesn't respect persons no respect of persons mean he doesn't like your outside he likes your inside and he's got to make the inside acceptable it comes from pros that's our word pro or for, or
1: toward. And ops, see right here? Right there. Ops, we got our word optical. An optical is what you see.
0: And then lambano. Lambano means to take hold this is the construction this is the construction of the word respect of persons it means to move toward what you see and take hold of that the outside of a person their looks their talent God doesn't respect the exterior of a man first of all he made that why would he why would he favor somebody over another when, with something that they didn't have anything to do with? <laughs> if a person's got a lot of talent, if they're intelligent, if they're a good teacher, they don't have anything to brag about. Nothing. Every good and perfect gift is from above, cometh down from the Father of lights, and who, is, who is no respecter of persons, proselopiteo. He doesn't, remember over there when David, when David, when Samuel went down to the house of Jesse, I preached about it last Sunday morning, when God is fed up with Saul, Saul didn't do what God said, and he was of the wrong tribe, he was the tribe of Benjamin, and the king has to come out of Judah, and God had to set that up ahead of time. So he says, he heads down to Judah to look at, jesse's children god said go down to southern judah and he was up in northern israel he said go down to southern judah and go to the house of jesse i've chosen me a king among his sons he goes down there and jesse brings out eliab his eldest eliab was tall had a great reputation in the army he was a tremendous fighter he could hold his own in battle And when Jesse brought him out, he said, if God sent you for one of my sons, it has to be my eldest, Eliab, because he's a great warrior in fight. He'll kill man right and left. And God said, I haven't chosen this. He called Eliab this. Then God said, man looks at the outward appearance. That's respect of persons. Man looks at the outward appearance. But the Lord looketh at the heart. And then he had all seven more sons come through. Or he had six more. It would be seven all together. And said, don't you have any more? He said, there remaineth yet the youngest. And he keeps the sheep. And he tells one of his other sons, go get David. We're not going to leave here till he comes in. And David is the eighth. When he walks in. God says, that's him. Anoint him, Samuel. So respect of persons is what God says, I don't respect Eli because he's tall and strong. I made him that way. I want the heart of a man that I put in him. So he picked David. That was respect of persons. Even Samuel looked at Eli and thought, this must be the new king. Boy, he's magnificent. I said, no, I don't need him. What's so funny is... They're looking at Eliab like he's something special, and the tallest man in Israel at that time was King Saul. That God has rejected. That's funny, isn't it? He rejects the tallest man, and somebody says, "Oh, you want this other tall guy?" He says, "I don't want tall guys anymore. They're smart, Alex. They think they know everything." I don't mean that as a defense to tall people, but I guess the only I guess the only tall guy here is. <laughs> it did not offend Mary it said it don't offend her she's four foot seven <laughs> is that was I talking to you oh okay well never mind alright so respect of persons is looking at the outward appearance and taking hold of that you can't take hold of God when you're dead in your sin the Bible says in Isaiah 45 and 7 there's none that calleth upon thy name
1: that stirs up himself to take hold of God take
0: hold that word that word stirreth up is the word U-W-R it it means to wake oneself from the dead when you're dead in sin you cannot wake yourself up to take hold of God
1: Huh? I can't what What's he doing? Hollering?
0: Oh, okay. Isaiah 64 and 7. Yeah. Now, let's look at Peter here. Let's look at... Go over here to Matthew 26.
1: 26.
0: He's an interesting guy because he's most like us. He's always... Contradicting himself, he'll even contradict Jesus. Contradict Matthew 26.
1: Look here in verse 34. 34. 26, 34. All right. 34. let me read a
0: little before that. Look at 30. When they had sung a hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. Now, this is the very last discourse as Jesus is having with his apostles before he's taken late that night by the Roman soldiers and taken before Pilate the next morning. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. Then said Jesus unto said them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd and the sheep of the flock. You'll find that over there in Zechariah 13 and 7. And shall be scattered abroad. But after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. And Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended got his foot in his mouth again. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, that this night before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. Let me say something about cock crow one more time. That's a very controversial thing. Some say it was a rooster crowing. Let me tell you something I hadn't said to you before. I was doing some research on it. Roosters are unclean animals. And it was against Jewish law to have any cocks or roosters in Jerusalem during the temple period, lest they should walk into the temple and defile the ground in the temple. They couldn't have it. Some will say it's a rooster crowing. I don't believe that. Mainly because it was against the law. Roosters can crow once in a while at night but there were there were four watches in the night and they were being ruled by the Romans and the watches were the evening watch evening watch went from six to nine at night evening and then from nine
1: to twelve was the midnight watch And then from twelve to three in the morning was the cop row watch, and then you had the morning watch
0: from three to six, and the day began at six. So they divided the day up into hours. The first hour was six to 9, six to nine. The second. Was uh, nine to twelve, and so forth. Well, at night, when these watches were changed in Jerusalem, by the sounding of a trumpet, and the cockcrow watch would begin with something that sounded like a rooster, da da da, er they go da da da, and that was that was called the Crow watch. I couldn't understand as a boy how could Peter hear a rooster crow when he wasn't used to it and then hear it crow again later and he had not to pay attention to what Jesus had said. That's because he's used to hearing this cock crow watch all the time.
1: Let me read this.
0: He says that this night before the cock crow thou shalt deny me Three times. And Peter said unto him, Though I shall die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. Now that's funny. Deny is the word, or know, am I Peter says, You don't tell me that. I'll never contradict you. And he's doing it right there. Isn't that funny? Peter didn't know when he was even sticking his foot in his own mouth. Though I die with thee, I'm not going to deny you. Likewise also, Said all the disciples. But they all contradicted him. And they all became Antichrist that moment didn't they. I think Peter's funny. He led them into denying. And look over here. In. Let me see where do I need to go. Go over here to 69. Now have Jesus inside. Have Jesus inside. Oh I'm not going to 69. Uh. 57. 57,
1: go to verse 57, 57, <clears throat> now Jesus
0: is, they're putting him to death, 57, excuse me, 57 through 75, well it ain't 75 there. I'm looking at the wrong thing.
1: Excuse me. Look at, uh,
0: am I in Matthew? I'm looking for, I wrote it down. I wrote the wrong thing down. So Peter is out here and he's going to deny Christ three times. I have written the wrong thing down on here. 57. All right. Oh, I'm in I'm in twenty seven. I'm I'm supposed to be in twenty-six. All right. Look here in fifty in sixty-nine verse sixty-nine. I was in chapter twenty-seven. Now. All right. Look here in sixty sixty seven. Let's look at sixty seven. Talking about them spitting upon Jesus and buffeting him. And others smote him with the palms of their hands, saying, Prophesy unto us, thou Christ, who is he that smote thee? Now Peter sat within the palace, and the damsel came unto him, saying, Thou also wast with this Jesus of Galilee. And he denied before them all, saying, I know not what you're saying. And when he had gone out into the porch, another maid saw him and said unto him that were there. This fellow was also with Jesus of Nazareth. And again, he contradicted with an oath and cursed. said, I do not know him. Well, he's going to change, isn't he? Because he's going to stand and be crucified upside down one day. And after a while came unto him. They that stood by and said, said to Peter, Surely thou also art one of them, for thy speech betrayeth thee. What does that mean? He's down here in southern Judah. Huh? He's down here in southern Judah at the praetorium. The praetorium was the judgment hall of Pilate. The Roman governor, Pilate was a Roman governor. He wasn't Caesar. He was just small fry on this whole thing. And they they were at the praetorium. And they said, your speech is betraying you. They had a different... This is Israel. Israel. This is the Mediterranean Sea here. Here's Egypt down here. Right here. Egypt and this is uh and peter is
1: from galilee you had the
0: the black sea or the not the black sea the salt sea down here and then you had the jordan river running out of the sea of galilee down here into the dead sea peter's down here in jerusalem where they condemning Jesus to death. But he's from the area of Galilee up here, and when he's from Galilee, he speaks a different dialect. They had a different dialect of the Greek common street language in every city-state. That is Sumerian dialect of that Greek language up here, and they had a, south jerusalem dialect down here so when he stand around that fire that woman said you're one of them we can tell by your dialect and boy he's just cursing he couldn't get over this and peter remembered the word of jesus which said unto him before the cock crow thou shalt deny me three times and he went out and wept bitterly well when you get caught by god that's a scary thing now let's go over to Mark 14 Mark 14 let's look and see what Mark says about this same incident Mark 14 verse 29 then we'll go to 66 Mark 14 verse 29
1: 14 verse 29
0: And he says those same words he had said over there in Matthew. And he said, though, he said, I will. But Peter said unto him in verse 29, Although all shall be offended, yet I will not be offended at anything anybody says to me about you. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto you, that this day, even this night, before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me three times. You know, that would be easy to forget over a three-hour period. You hear the cock crow at the beginning of the cock crow, something along the line of da-da-da. Uh, midnight watch ends, cock crow watch begins. You hear that little sound like a rooster. And three hours later, it's not going to sound again for another three hours. And Peter can be forgetting all about that. And then he's denied Christ three times in this three-hour period. And then all of a sudden, hears the cock crow. Cock crow watch ends. Morning watch begins. Da-da-da. And he breaks down weeping because he did what Jesus said he's going to do. How do you think Jesus knew what he's going to do? Was he a mind reader? He made him do it. He caused him to do that, didn't he? That's how that's how God is sovereign. He caused him to do it. Look here and look here in 66 of that chapter, 66. All right. 66. And Peter was beneath in the palace there cometh one of the maids of the high priest. When she saw Peter warming himself, she looked upon him. He was warming himself by the fire of the enemy. How would you like to be caught doing that while they're killing your best friend? And said, thou wast with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied, saying, I know not him. Neither understand what thou sayest. And he went out, on the porch and the cock crew and a maid saw him again and began to say to them that stood by this is one of them and he denied it again and at a little while after they that stood by said unto, to, again to peter surely thou art one of them for thou art a galilean thy speech agreeth with that you've got that northern dialect And he began to curse and swear, saying, I do not know this man of whom you speak. The second time the cock crew and Peter called to mind the word that Jesus said unto him before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. And he thought thereon, and he began to weep, because Jesus told him what he was going to do. Now, look over here in Luke. Luke 22 thirty three. How much time to have Mike? Huh? Forty one? Okay. I got some places to go and I gotta get to it. All right. Now look here in Luke twenty two thirty three. Twenty two. This is why it's important to look at all the chapters where something is mentioned in one of the Gospels. Be sure and look at all of them. 33. All right.
1: And he said unto him, Lord,
0: I'm ready to go with thee, both into prison and to death. And he said to Peter, Jesus, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me the cock shall not crow it means the end of the the three-hour cock crow watch will not end before you deny me three times and he said to them when i send you without purse and so forth he's talking about when he sent him out there in matthew the 10th chapter he said i was with you always and always be with you and look here in in that same chapter, 22, verse 54. Now, then they took him and led him and brought him into the high priest's house. And Peter followed afar off. And when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the hall and were set down together, Peter sat down among them. But a certain maid beheld him as he sat by the fire, warming himself by the fire of the romans and the pharisees because it was cold earnestly looked upon him and said this man was also with him and he denied him saying woman i don't know him and after a little while another saw him and said thou art also of them and peter said man i am not he's not just being gentle in his denial snapping at him and about the space of one hour after another confidently affirmed of a truth this fellow was also with him for he is a Galilean Peter said man i know not what you're saying and immediately while he yet spake the cock crew and the lord turned and looked upon peter and peter remembered the word of the lord and jesus didn't say a word he just went Oh, wow. How would you like Jesus to look at you like that after you told him he's going to deny him three times? Lord, how he had said unto him before the cock crow, shalt thou deny me thrice? And Peter went out and wept bitterly. Notice every one of the Gospels has wept bitterly. They want to emphasize when you deny Christ, it's something that will break your heart. When you contradict his word and God catches you and say, I saw you. Kind of like when he told Nathaniel, I saw you sitting under this tree when you said, Can anything good thing come out of Nazareth? Nathaniel was shocked. How could you see me? You wouldn't even hear. Well, he's God, that's how. Now look over here in John. John
1: eighteen,
0: sixteen. I hope this will help you understand more why you need to read all the accounts. You notice what these are? These are four witnesses, aren't they? You got to have two to three witnesses when you're condemning anyone under Jewish law. Then he says here in John
1: 13, verse 36. John 13. Now,
0: something you need to understand. John 13... Huh? Oh, I'm going to read something out of 13, and then I'm going to go to 18. Now, thir- something you need to understand. John 13
1: is the last
0: Passover. They're not eating crackers and grape juice. They're eating the Passover. And then he's going to, when he's nailed to the cross, remember, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances, which was against us, it was contrary to us, took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. When he gets nailed to the cross, not this night, it's somewhere at 9 or 10 o'clock at night. Their day beginning at 6 o'clock, and he ends at 6 the next evening. So when he dies, the next day, somewhere between 12 and 3, there's darkness from the 6th to the ninth hour the 6th hour of the day is 12 the ninth hour is 3 in the afternoon so he's going to die a little over
1: 12 hours later so from
0: 13 all the way to the last chapter to the 21st chapter of this book up here in 21 This is the night Jesus is taken, the last Passover that night, which is a Friday.
1: And then you've got Saturday.
0: And he's going to resurrect Sunday morning before dawn. So he's crucified on Friday. Saturday comes. And somewhere before sunrise... Their day finishes up at 6 in the evening or at at sunset. So from the 13th verse, 13th chapter, the 21st chapter, is Jesus meeting with his apostles Friday night. And then Saturday, all day, he's in the grave. They could, excuse me, Thursday night, Thursday night because Passover begins at 6 and ends at 6. So this is Thursday night when he's meeting with his apostles. He's taken the next day and crucified by the Romans at the will or the behest of the Pharisees. And he ends up blotting out the handwriting of ordinances somewhere between 12 and 3. And all rituals are blotted out. So when he says to him the night before, this cup is the New Testament in my blood, he's a testament has no fourth force till the death of the testator. He's the testator. He's the one that sets up the, the the last will and testament. Testament is the word diatheke. And diatheke means last will and testament. When he said this cup of blood, to drink of a cup meant to undergo a death. But that testament didn't take effect till he was nailed to the cross because you blot out the handwriting of ordinances. You did away with an ordinance or a contract. When you took the contracting parties in public, you said, is everyone in agreement we want to invalidate this contract? They'd say, yes, and you drive a nail through it. Blotting out all the rituals. There's no rituals after he's nailed to the cross. All this washing and water and passing around crackers and grape juice is wrong. The rituals are gone. We have a blood baptism now. We have a spiritual Passover. Christ is our Passover lamb there in the 5th chapter of 1 Corinthians. If he's the spiritual Passover lamb, you cannot have the rest. Jesus is the Passover lamb, is the lamb. There's four items at a Passover. You have, you have a lamb. You have, you have uh, four cups. Four cups. You have unleavened bread,
1: and all of this has to
0: be spiritual now. What is the four cups? Well, the third cup was called the cup of blessing, and the cup of blessing was the only one that was blessed at the Passover. And Jesus said, this New Testament, this cup is, is," he took the cup and blessed it and said, this is the New Testament in my blood. New Testament, to drink of a cup meant to undergo a death. It was a figure of speech. Jesus said, if it be thy will, Father, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, thy will be done. Didn't he? He's talking about his death on the cross and being separated from God when he's on the cross. And you had, you had bitter herbs. The Jews were told to drink one wood, a bitter herb, whenever they we're rebellious against god god says i'll make you drink wormwood. wood we being many are one bread and one body that's us first corinthians 10:17 and we're the body of christ we're the bread and the cup is death itself if the lamb is jesus the other's not literal it's spiritual isn't it i don't know why nobody but me has ever seen this you have to know something about contracts in the first century we ain't never going to pass crackers and grape juice around they were eating the Passover but when he was nailed to the cross they didn't drive they didn't drive the nails through this part of the palm they said in the first century the palm went nearly up to the elbow they drove it between the radius and the ulna those two bones right there this is your lower arm if they'd have driven it here where you see all that stigmata among the Catholics, the bleeding of the hands, that's stupid. That shows it. That's phony when you see that. It would have broken the bones of the hand and the Passover lamb. Not a bone could be broken. It couldn't have been driven in there. And that takes a lot of more talk. Now,
1: where was I? John. Eight, 18, 16. John 18, 16.
0: The, the Gospels are one of the hardest things to teach. I'd rather teach Revelation than Gospels. You know why? They got one event after the other, just constant. People's names. And To me, teaching Revelation is easy. All you have to do is learn all the culture and the customs and the idioms and the words. That's all you have to do. But this, you've got to remember, all these events and where they're happening. Now, 18 and 16. 16. I'll get it in a minute. Now, look at verse 15. And Simon Peter followed Jesus. So did another apostle. You know who that other apostle is? John is the guy that always spoke of himself in the third person. He'd say, that one whom the Lord loved. And he was following. That disciple was known unto the high priest. So the high priest knows John. And went in with Jesus unto the palace of the high priest. And Peter stood at the door without, or outside, without means outside. Then went out that other disciple, which was known unto the high priest, and spake unto her that kept the door, and brought in Peter. Then said the damsel that kept the door unto Peter, Art thou not thou also? Art thou not thou also one of this man's disciples? And he said, I am not. And the disciples' officers, officers stood there, who had made a fire of coals, for it was cold. And they warmed themselves, and Peter stood with them and warmed himself. He's, it's like the Lord is testifying against him for warming himself at the fire of the, the Romans and the Pharisees. The high priest then asked Jesus of the disciples of his doctrine, and Jesus answered him, and I spake vaguely in the, unto the world, and I even spake in the synagogue and the temple, whither the Jews always resort, and in secret have I said nothing. Then he goes on down here. And Peter denies Christ. He denies Christ. Look over in 17. Look at John 17. Not 17, 13. John 13.
1: John 13
0: is the last Passover. It's like, keep saying this. John 13.
1: John 13. Luke 22, Mark 14, and Matthew 26.
0: Matthew 26. These are sister chapters right here. They're all about the last Passover. The only thing is, John has, they go for a day and a half with the discourse of Jesus and everything in red letters from the 13th chapter of the 21st chapter is about a day and a half. Now, look here in, in uh, Luke 13,
1: 36.
0: And Simon Peter said unto Jesus, Lord, whither thou goest? Whither goest thou? And Jesus said, "Whither I go, there thou canst not follow me now, but thou shalt follow me after this." And Peter said to him, "Lord, why cannot I follow thee now? I will lay down my life for thee." And Jesus said, "Before the cock crow, thou shalt thou shalt for the cock shall crow, thou shalt deny me three times." Then he denies him three times in John I'd said all this to bring out a point let's go to the 21st chapter of John the very end of all of it now Jesus has resurrected from the dead the apostles are in northern Galilee Jesus comes up there And he says to them, have you caught any fish? They're looking at him like, (laughs) who are you? They know it's Jesus. And he's risen from the dead. And he starts talking to Peter. Well, Peter's been through it with Jesus. And look at verse 12. Jesus saith unto them, come and dine they just caught 153 fish well i can't go into that can i that'll take all night and none of the disciples durst ask him who art thou knowing that it was the lord and jesus then cometh and taketh bread and giveth them and fish likewise this is now the third time that jesus showed himself to his disciples after that, he was risen from the dead. So, when they had dined, Jesus said unto Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, lovest thou me more than these? What did Jesus say to him?
1: He said, Agape, O mate, Peter? Do you agape me? And what
0: is agape? Second John 6 says, agape is walking in the commandments of God. When you love God, you will walk in his commandments. Jesus said, agape me, Peter. He used the verb form agapao. Agape was a relationship that fathers had for their families, kings had for their subjects. They gave them laws and they willingly walked in them. Second John 6 says, this is love. This is agape. You want to know what this agape is? You want to know what Jesus is asking Peter? This is agape that we walk after his commandments. After his commandments. Are you keeping the Ten Commandments? Is that what Jesus is saying? No, it's much more than that. Every time you have an imperative mood in a Greek word,
1: it is a command from Jesus. It's a command from Jesus.
0: When he says, strive to enter at the straight gate, agonizomai, that is not your choice. That's a command from the living God. That says agonize. Here's the agon right here. I've shown you the agon so many times. This, if we looked it up in an old dictionary a while ago, uh, Derek brought it brought it up here and wanted to know if it was okay. I said, let me look at it. Yep, it has all the Greek definitions at the front of it, and it says agonizomai or agonize comes from the word. Comes from the word. Agon. And the agon was the arena. Where the Christians had to die. In the front of them. the lions would come out. And attack them and eat them. Either that. Or they would come in there. And they'd turn them over. Turn the Christians over to the gladiators. I. And that's not a choice that we have. When we tell the truth and live in truth. People will want to slaughter us, figuratively, and some of them would kill me if they could do it and get by with it. Most of the people in Nashville don't like me. I'm on TV every night at 8.30 on Comcast. I get very few calls. There are several hundred thousand people have got Comcast TV. About last time, I Mike said something like 300,000 have comcast there ought to be more people called. they don't like this message and they're crucifying us inside the agon and god says agonizomai agonize over this truth when he says humble yourself under the hand of god t-a-p-e-i-n-o-o level self that's not an option on your part. If you're a believer, you have to level yourself to God, not to men. Humble. You can't be humble to God and man at the same time. If you're humble to God, you'll not fear. I'll not fear what man shall be unto, unto me, Paul said. I will tell the truth. I don't. I go out every day and tell people the truth. I have women will argue with me and fight me and. I see, I see. I'll say to him, you act like I said that. I didn't say that. Jesus said that. I had a shirt on one day and it said, most people are going to hell when they die. The woman said, most people are going to hell when they die. I said, you act like I said that. I didn't say that. Jesus said, straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to life. And few there be that find it. Why didn't you put that on the shirt instead? You lame brain, you can't put that much on a shirt. So anytime you're going to forbear an echo, that means to put up with each other. Put up, an echo means to hold up. That's a command. But it takes you a long time to learn to forbear. It takes you a long time to learn to humble. long time to I. And when Jesus says, agape is walking the commandments of God, he said, Peter... Do you agape me? And Peter's answer was, Lord, you know that I
1: owe you. That's not what I ask you. Phileo means have affection for. It means to
0: like. Lord, you know I like you. Well, not if you're not walking in my commandments. And then he says, and then he says, he saith unto him, Lord, thou knowest that I phileo you. And Jesus said unto him again, then feed my sheep. If, you're, if you have a phileo to me, you'll feed my, excuse me, lambs. A lamb is a baby sheep what is sheep food
1: in the bible it's the word law
0: all the law is fulfilled in one word even this thou shalt love walk in the commandments of god thou shalt love thy neighbors thyself if you love your neighbor you don't like them you don't take them ice cream and cake you tell them the truth and walk in truth in front of them and if one of them starts lying one of the imperative moods over there in Ephesians four twenty six is be angry at men that preach winds of doctrine that make the church apathetic, that may put men on a on a blind search, be angry at these people, O R G I Z O M A I. But how are you going to be angry at them if you don't know anything about the Bible? You can't be angry You don't just go out here and start getting angry at people. You need to find out what the truth is. If If Mike was the only professor in Nashville that knew algebra, and nobody else knew it, and all the people in the schools were getting up there and trying to pretend they knew algebra, and they were saying things equal to the same thing are not equal, or they're equal to ice cream and cake. That's not an algebra teacher. That's a jerk. You don't need to be teaching algebra unless you know it. And preachers don't need to be in pulpits if they don't know the truth, and most of them don't. Peter said, you know I phileo you. I have affection for you. And then he said to them, feed my lambs, feed them the word of God. But lambs need milk, don't they? Feed them the basic milk of the word of God. The Lord tells Corinth in the third chapter of 1 Corinthians, he said, you are carnal, I'm gonna to have to feed you with milk and get you started over instead of beef steak. You cannot handle the stiff meat. You can't handle the seventy weeks of Daniel. Don't even know simple things. He saith unto Peter again, the second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you agape me? What he said to him. And he saith unto Jesus, Yea, Lord, Thou knowest that I phileo you. You can't answer a straight question, can you, Peter? You know, I like you. I really do like you. Yes, Lord. Thou knowest that I love thee. And he saith unto him, Then feed my sheep. Get the depth of the word and feed them. And he saith to him the third time. How many times did Peter deny
1: Jesus? Three.
0: He saith unto Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you really phileo me? It's got to be confusing in the Greek. Do you really phileo me?
1: Peter's, what did Peter do? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the
0: third time, do you really love me? He said in him, Lord, thou knowest all things that I phileo thee. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Let me show you something concerning this. Over here in the 14th chapter of John, or 15th chapter of John, phileo just means to have affection for. Peter really liked Jesus A boy, going out and putting your life in your hand. Now, Peter's going to go out there and put his life in his hands when he starts preaching to the people in Acts 2. And he's preaching the truth to the world. He's preaching to the Gentiles, and they're going to go back to their various lands and preach it. Do I have any time, Mike? 13, 14. Okay. Now, look
1: here in John 15. All right. John 15.
0: Verse 11. Well, let me read back here in verse 10. If you keep my commandments, keep Tereo. You guard them against loss. They've been written in your heart. Don't let anybody change them. Fight for them. You may not be able to keep them all. Not now, but you will in time along the way. God will teach you that with fire and trials. But you fight against any denial of it. Then he says, If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, in my agape, even as I kept my Father's commandments and abide in his agape. I'm keeping the commandments of my Father. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy may be full. got yeah, you remember, joy is the word chara. It is a form of charis, which is the word grace. It's a form of charizomai, C-H-A-R-I-Z-O-M-A-I means to grant as a favor, charizomai,
1: grant as favor,
0: and and when Paul said in Philippians 129, unto you it is given, charizomai, you're granted the favor, not only to believe upon Jesus, but also to suffer for his sake. That's a privilege that God has given all of the predestinated elect, and we have to suffer for his sake. And that is a favor. He's granted that. That will show us that we belong to him. Comes the Lord Caris, and, and Paul told the Philippians, in Philippians 4, 1 and 2, he said, you are my joy. Joy is the word Kara. He said, Philippians are my joy, the word Kara. And he said over in the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians, Paul says, have no fellowship with these people that are in iniquity. Don't have any fellowship with people that are living in iniquity. That means that means the only joy you can have is with the people of God that believe the truth. That's all. You can't run around with the wrong people. Have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rebuke them. And then he goes on to say, These things have I spoken to you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. Let me add to that with other believers that believe these truths. We're not to be fellowshipping with people who believe in free will and and people who believe in Christmas and people. It's Catholicism. This is my commandment that you love agape one another. You walk in the commandments of God in, with one another, as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, than that a man lay down his life for his friends. Friend is the word philia.
1: It is a form of the
0: word phileo, to have affection. Look at the next verse. Ye are my philia. My friends, I'll have affection
1: for you under one condition. That you do whatsoever I command you. Let me ask you something. Whatsoever I command you.
0: Let me ask you this. What is one word that's equivalent to whatsoever I command you?
1: Agape. Agape. I will
0: only be affectionate to you. Now, what he is saying, what he is saying, you're not to run around and be affectionate with people who refuse to walk in the commandments of God or at least address them. I understand everybody can't do them all of a sudden one day. But uh, it's okay if somebody comes here and they walk up to me and say, Jim, I'm struggling with some things. Could you pray for me that I'll overcome that? I smoke. I don't know how to quit smoking. Sometimes I let a cuss word out of my mouth. and I want to quit doing these things. I just don't know how. Well, that's when you have to force yourself to take over and make yourself stop doing those things. And it don't happen all of a sudden. I don't know what it takes to quit smoking. I never have smoked. Huh? Yeah. Mary quit. You know how she quit at 35 years old? The doctor, her eyes were flashing right and left. She said, he said, you can die of a stroke any moment. She quit like that. She didn't say, I've got to smoke the rest of those cigarettes I got in the glove compartment. He said, you can die any minute. I guess that'll be enough, wouldn't it? I don't understand somebody like, who's the actor,
1: the the real handsome guy that died
0: from cancer, uh, Patrick Swayze. And here he is dying. Patrick Swayze said, well, when it gets real serious, I'll quit smoking. And he's on his deathbed. I don't know what you call serious boy. He never did quit.
1: Boy, his breath must have been like a septic
0: tank. All the time he had smoked. I'm not trying to give people a hard time. Now, so you have to be walking in God's commandments for him to be your friend these people say unconditional love there's no such thing god says i'm not going to be your friend unless you learn to walk in my commandments that's pretty serious isn't it it's very serious when he'll give you all of these you say jim i can't you can write down all of these these imperative moods and i can't keep them let me tell you a secret they're written in your heart you know what you're supposed to do and what you're not supposed to do don't you don't we all people say i just don't know this is right or wrong well if you have to question me about it it must be wrong i've had people tell me that if you have to be questioned about it it doesn't have to be real bad it can be something that looks bad it can be an appearance of evil and not be evil in itself. And people think you're doing something that you're not doing. It bothers me. I've told you all this. If I walk in front of a magazine rack, and on this end it's got all these women with not hardly any clothes on, all stripped down, nothing on. And down here is a bunch of mechanics and boxing magazine, football magazines, I'll always go up there and look at them, but I won't go down there. Because if somebody sees me, they're going to say, aha, we know the good preacher. I stay away from that. If I'm doing something out in public, or getting close to something that's going to make me look bad, I don't need to be doing that. But that's only since I've gotten old and got really committed to the Lord, and now I just don't feel like I used to feel Oh, I still like the pictures. People say, but I thought you're a Christian. How can you like the the scantily clad women? All men like the scantily clad women. There's not a man alive, including the pastors of these churches that don't like that. You've got to know that's not good for you. That's what you have to come to. And if it's not good for you, force yourself to stop.
1: All it'll do is get you in trouble. Won't it? I'm going to get into Peter,
0: further into him. Peter was, he was hard to deal with. He was always jumping out in front of everybody. I'll not deny you, Lord, I'll be here. Remember, one of the things, like I said last week, he was at least standing by the fire outside the judgment hall where were the other guys where were the other apostles they had run and they were hiding and he knew his life was on the light just to be identified with Jesus so let's don't be so quick to condemn him because all the others Andrew and only John was there with Peter Andrew and Matthew and all these other fellows were hiding somewhere probably under some staircase or something let's get away from them They'll get us. I look at Peter. At least he followed Jesus afar off. And the others took off running. Does the Bible say that? Yeah, it does. Some people follow along. When you get too close to the enemy, it makes you want to deny Christ, doesn't it? Get too close to the wrong end of the magazine rack and you're going to want to deny Christ. I've felt that way ever since I was young. I like the magazines with the women in it. And you did too. How do you know that, Jim? Well, I'm a man. There's no temptation taking you. But just such as common to man. I'm a man. And I know how men feel. We don't feel like, oh, I just hate those naked women. No, you don't. You're lying through your teeth. You like them. That's why you have to stay away from them. They'll poison your life god didn't make gorgeous drop dead knockout women i think one of the best looking women i've ever seen is vanessa williams i've ever seen when she was about 25 she made god made her to take men to hell that's what he made her for so i believe that she could be someone committed to the lord jesus christ no and somebody like like Tom Brady, he's super handsome. He's six foot three or four. He's got a great arm. He's won five Super Bowls more than any other quarterback. He's married to a, a supermodel woman, gorgeous woman. He's got a castle for a house, and he's making hundreds of millions of dollars. Do I believe he can be committed to Christ? Not unless God breaks his neck, make him a quadriplegic, God has to break people. He said, "I scourge every son I receive, so you can partake of my holiness." Do I believe? And after that last Super Bowl, he goes over and sits down and stomps off and gets mad because he lost. He was disgusting. He wouldn't even go over there and shake the winning quarterback because he was an amateur. He was a one timer, come back for two games, won the Super Bowl. Well, too bad, Tom. We're not supposed to lift up the winner. We're supposed to lift up the loser, aren't we? That's what we're supposed to do. I never have liked him. I don't like Joe Montana, Mr. Super Quarterback, won four Super Bowls, blonde-headed, blue-eyed, and when he gets real famous, he trades in his wife for a young thing, you know. Not many mighty Not many wise in this world, not many noble are called of God to be in the church. Most of those people, like Brady and that bunch, they're going to hell. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for truth. God help us to live right, to live God, and to live holy for you.
1: Lord, I pray you'll help the church
0: grow up, in the truth help them to be mature it's such a hard life to live in this world to live in this message it's difficult Lord you've got to strengthen us otherwise we couldn't do it we we'll give you praise for everything Lord give us a good weekend strengthen the folks
1: we'll give you praise in Christ played with hangovers. <laughs> played with the Got